You remember last week being a good episode? Every episode is a good episode, Carlos. Mm, I don't really buy it, but uh, I kind of can make a, a tacit guarantee uh, this week, less so. <laughs> so, I don't know. I uh, It's been a busy week, and I'm also super tired, so this is going to be a super short episode. And there also wasn't much to talk about, and the world's still on fire. Um, but I do actually... So it's been... When was the last day you, well, you, you have a weird situation of have, have, having gone into the office, but it's been basically a month, right? Maybe a little less than a month that we've all been kind of mostly at home. Uh, the shelter in place order here in, in California. Yeah. It's been in effect for about a month going on five weeks, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. We, we went on, we went on that type of order in the bay area a little earlier it, 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 who can keep track of time yeah happy tax day <laughs> i did do my taxes i did too <laughs> actually I, I did i did taxes twice um this is yeah. this uh, i i don't see what the benefit of waiting well actually i get it like well actually we're not going to go down that road but i mean for most people wouldn't you i can't i can't give tax advice carlos uh <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Um, isn't that isn't that the most like the perennial joke of oh it's if you ever mention what your occupation is oh you're good with numbers or oh you can help me with my taxes aren't those the two lamest rejoinders? I'm not going to um, do this nearly the justice it deserves, but I had an accounting professor in college who had a pretty good joke that was something to the effect of you know what's going to happen in your career as a young accountant is. You're going to graduate. You're going to get your CPA license. You're going to, you know, be telling all your friends and family what you do for a living, and that you're an accountant, and that they're going to ask you, "Oh, you, you, you do taxes?" And you're going to, you know, politely say, "No, you know, I audit financial statements, or I do revenue accounting, or whatever the case might be." Um, but then eventually, you just start saying, "Oh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I do taxes," just to, as a way of kind of ending the conversation. I've totally entered that phase of life, by the way. If I ever get that these days, I usually I don't correct the person. I just go, yeah, taxes. Yeah. Was that Bob Anderson? It, it was. Wow. Jesus. Good pull. I, wow. <laughs> huh. There weren't that many. No, that's true. Are, that's... He, he, he was one of the few that had uh, practical advice or stuff that would stick for as much as i butchered that joke i'm i'm surprised you were able to even piece it together nice nice work i'm gonna, I'm gonna let this conversation go before i say, <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna name certain other people and be like oh yeah they're not they're not that well known for their for their humor but mm, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll let we'll let that go yeah the ppe joke was pretty good though yeah, yeah. um i didn't right. i didn't appreciate your thing on twitter though what the what i do ca- ca- Calif- I, don't use, I don't use twitter <laughs> California Oregon or something. I, I didn't appreciate that. Oh, California. Yeah, yeah, that's going to, I don't, I don't like that. It's, it's the West, it's the West coast Alliance. We're going to make it stick. <laughs> I thought that was one of the most, I spent about five minutes in between meetings and, and just being anxious, uh, trying to think of what the best portmanteau of <laughs> Washington, Oregon and California was. Somebody has been making a shirt that says Baja Canada, which I don't like. I don't think that respects the the great American. Oh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate that at all. No. Yeah. I think I like um, something along the lines of like West Coast mutiny. That's I think that's pretty good. Well, but Newsom keeps calling us a nation state. Well, okay. Well, so the three three things. 
Are we? What, what are we doing here? We're unpacking the onion. No, no. What was, what was the phrase? I did listen to the first fifteen minutes of last week's episode, and yeah, y- you were stricken with my disease. Well, normally, <laughs> I'm the one that gets three, three tangents ahead of myself and get out over my skis. Again, now, now I'm just going to co-opt all of your things. I was going to make some disease joke, but that mm. that's in bad taste. Yeah, <laughs> it's normally my thing. Um, wait, where were we? Okay, so wait. So which one? Which one are you? Okay, so we're gonna get back to the Newsome thing. But the reason why I brought this up was it's been like a month, and I've been trying to do the good thing of like again, stay home, try to avoid excessive trips to the grocery store and stuff like that. But I am actually running out of like I'm I, I, I'm not. I felt like I was being a good citizen by like not doing the like the hoarding thing when you kind of yeah. saw the writing on the wall that things were gonna maybe like that because i i I know i know where this is going and i think we're yeah we're probably kind of a similar spot well but it's also very different for you because again you have sheds upon sheds you're like your house is a a russian nesting doll of sheds so (laughs) you sheds or the the sheds uh, no the sheds just they don't store really any household goods they're they're for all the outdoor stuff that you would normally put in a garage. Hmm. So I assume one of know. them, like you lease it out to Bezos, and it's like an AWS instance <laughs> in North Marin. Um, yeah. So I I thought I was being a good, uh, like a good American, like because that's the whole thing about most of this. Like if if you're somebody who is actually staying home and kind of doing the thing, like the whole premise, and it's buying into being a good neighbor and being part of like the collective good. And I'm not trying to hear to like praise myself, but like you're doing like, you're doing what you're supposed to do, which is kind of like what kind of feels like has been lacking in America for a while. Like if it seems like there's probably a lot of mad men overlap of kind of the whole fear of, um, uh, nuclear aggression with Russia, but like the whole, like, we're just like, we're Americans. We're going to do this all together. So the whole thing was like, I didn't like hoard stuff. Like I did buy a, like a couple of extra, like grocery items in case something happened or we were stuck at home for a longer period of time. But yeah, I'm pretty much exhausted. All of my, um, paper products was of the two kinds that most households would use. Mm -hmm. Um, and we will, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. We'll get back to that. Um, also yeah, sparkling water spindrift has been hard to come by. Uh, you do not necessarily get the pick of, uh, the pick of litter at target anymore. But yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I should have been a worse person and, and hoarded because right now I'm kind of, it's, it's slim pickings and then you have to wait in a 15 minute line and get sanitized at the Trader Joe's and it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. But the paper products thing is the part that is kind of killing me because it has a dual narrative where one, it's annoying of Americans panic buying and then also all of the, um, conversation i wouldn't actually say it's media reporting but conversation of people of like oh like it's like uh, bread lines in russia or something it's where people don't understand why paper products are not in stock because nobody's using the bathroom at work right i don't know it's 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 a thing but i'm down to my last two eight packs of spindrift and i'm getting anxious mm-hmm you get more more anxious about the spindrift than the uh, paper product situation you're your priorities are straight. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've, it's it's been like two and a half weeks since I've had a half and half spin drift. It's very. Uh... Yeah, I um, 
so you know i i don't generally buy a lot of the the canned sparkling water because you know we have a soda stream here at home Mm -hmm. but i guess my my situation somewhat similar in the sense that i were just about to start our uh last soda stream uh canister the 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 the, the carbonator wait can 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 we do like an oceans 14 thing and break into the williams sonoma and get a refill for you well that's i mean yeah that's kind of like i'm sure well, I'm, I'm not sure, actually. I, 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 I think that I can probably find something like that, but um, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm in a mode right now where I, I'm, I'm trying to do as little shopping as possible, mm-hmm. and really only for the like the weekly groceries, like like just the essentials, um, and I just something like a soda stream canister just feels like kind of an adventure i don't want to go on because i i normally go to bed bath and beyond and do the whole exchange thing there and i i assume they're not open i think or if, or if they're open probably in a reduced and maybe maybe doing like well or they're maybe doing like the best buy thing where they're uh-huh. kind of like you drive by but like I assume that they're not going to want to like, because the way it works, right, is you give them your old canisters and then they give you new ones to replace them. Mm-hmm. I like, I assume places aren't going to be doing that now. Yeah. So then it's like, maybe I could buy a new canister, but then now I've got five canisters. I already have four, which under any other circumstances is plenty. Um, yeah, anyway, spray, yeah. Spar- sparkling water. Yeah, I just sent you a thing of the last time I was at Target. Uh, you are not out of luck with sparkling water. There is a brand of sparkling water that nobody wants, even in end times. <laughs> Ooh, the um, the La Marca Prosecco. That stuff's pretty good, too. Uh, not a fan of Prosecco. But um, I also appreciate that somebody abandoned their DVDs on the pile of sparkling water nobody wants. So, good. <laughs> yeah, is... The, the, is the, um, it, it, is bubbly a Pepsi product or is it's that a PepsiCo a... product? Heck yeah, it is. Okay. I just want yeah. to make sure that it's on the correct branded uh, crate. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's got the... Do you remember the universe of Pepsi ad concept? No. What was that? Um, Hold on. Okay, you're, you're so like now that you're rewatching Mad Men, you're just like totally in the advertising mode. Well, no, I've always been a brand, like somebody who really a, likes... A, bra- a brand enthusiast? Yeah. Like actually, so there's this... <laughs> yeah. I, I, so please put this in the notes. I'm going to send you a link. So there's a, a blog that I've read for like the past like t- at least 10 years called Brand New. Um, it's from a... That's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's from a design company uh, called Under Consideration. And um, I forget if they're based in the US or not, but... They have a really, really good brand, um, and that's kind of that's where I learned about the weird uh, new LA Chargers logo. And they just do a lot of stuff where, when a if you click on the brand new logo, you can kind of see them uh, rate and review and have good structured conversations. Oh God, the Colts got a new logo too. They have a new alternate mm. logo, so their primary logo is still the same. Got it. But yeah, so no, it's a, it's a really good branding blog. So yeah, you you still use RSS? So yeah, I would subscribe to this. It's actually really nice. Um, but yeah, there was a thing. I, when did it come out? 2009. This never came to fruition or maybe it did, but somebody, um, so which, which company was it? 
uh, the Arnell group, but they did this whole weird ad presentation, like very Don Draper style, where they mentioned that this new swooshy PepsiCo logo was based on like the golden ratio and the Mona Lisa and all this kind of stuff and how uh, the Pepsi logo encompassed its own moons and brand, and like brand universe. Like it's, it, it's absolute insanity. So people, people should check this out. Cause I'm not doing it justice because the story is 10 years old, but it's, it was one of the coolest things ever. What coolest in a bad is, way. What the hell is this? It, it like, it's like, it's like some Illuminati stuff. It totally is. So that's the thing where you can find the rich, like some people can go look, uh, there's a, oh yeah, they did link to the PDF here where, um, yeah, that this was the most insane thing back in 2009. And this was back in the, the age when it was the Obama presidency and the craziest thing was Pepsi. Well, no, the craziest thing was wearing a, a tan suit to the briefing room. Come on, Carlos. Well, he, he, he saluted the troops with a latte in his hand. Okay, so uh. what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, so nobody wants bubbly. Ryan can't get CO2 cartridges. Um, what else? What else? Okay, so yeah, so I feel, I feel bummed that I didn't hoard more. And also, like the two times I have gone to a Target uh, in the past month to get stuff, it is real. It's kind of jarring and also vaguely upsetting that like just the entire like it, to make this very local, the the center fell like in in the very that like very back rear left quadrant of the store where it's just like four aisles of paper products. It just being entirely barren is just such like it's such a weird sight. It's- so yeah the to make it even more hyper local the the local market down the street here which is kind of where i've been going primarily once a week or so the paper aisle is basically the first aisle that you see when you walk in it's it's it just happens to be located in the middle of the store Mm -hmm. and so you walk in and it's just kind of you know it's like you're walking into basically a a barren store um I also, I actually had another little scary thing with this local market um, on Sunday, which was Easter. Um, you know, the whole country was supposed to re- be reopened by then. I don't, I don't know what happened to that, but raring to go. Uh, <laughs> um, the lady friend and I uh, needed some milk. We we ran out of milk, so I thought, oh, you know, no problem. I'll, I, I try to avoid the little one-off trips like that, but for something like milk, you know, I, I don't mind because that's kind of quick in and out. And I showed up, and it was closed. Like, the mm-hmm. store was just closed. Mm-hmm. Like, no sign on the door or nothing. And I thought, uh-oh. And I was like, well, this is, this is probably just Easter. Probably nothing to worry about. And then I, I did go the next day just to validate that they were, in fact, still open. And they are. Thank goodness. So that, that's an odd coincidence. Or, or I have, a, like, a, a parallel story. So the, the, the other, like, the neighborhood market that we have here which I've been going to, but which has been a pretty good, reliable one. They were also a similar, similar situation where I didn't, they're never closed on Sundays and I wouldn't think they, I would assume they would have reduced hours on Easter. Yeah. But yeah, they were, they were exactly. closed too. And then I had to go to, cause I did, I had something that I needed for like not Easter dinner, not like super fancy, but I did need something that was. Sure. Yeah. So I ended up having to go to Molly stones and we, we've talked about Molly stones before. Mm. They did have some toilet paper there. Do you want to guess how much it costs? Uh, Four small rolls. Definitely not the double plus or whatever, whatever the up and up I, brand is. I have no idea. $13. God, 
Yeah, Molly Stone. You, you, you all, we, we've talked about that. That first place we lived in San Francisco, that Molly Stone was the only market walking distance away. Um, Molly Stones is the is the worst. Like it, it's really. It's, I don't, I mean, it's I don't nice. get it. It's just, it's just so but it's not that nice. Like it's vaguely maybe one notch up from Whole Foods. Yet it is somehow like everyday items will literally be a hundred percent more expensive than Safeway. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's weird. Have have I talked to you about the the paper product situation at my local market? Did can wait? Can other, we other, other this? Can, the, no, can, can we listeners can rewind like literally three minutes? Wait, am I? No, no, no. It, it, so it, it's in the center of the store. We talked about that. Yeah. Um. So it, it's actually not a hundred percent empty. It's it's like ninety five percent empty. Oh, do they still have the hippie toilet paper? Well, no. So they they don't have any kind of like paper towels or anything, but they they do have uh, toilet paper pretty consistently now. for For the first like week or two, there was the aisle was literally empty. Now they've pretty consistently had this toilet paper. But I've like I, it literally what it is is you know like when you're in an office building and you've got the the individually oh it's the single ply recycled stuff where you it's it like i mean i i, I on it and like the way that they're they're just sitting in these like big shipping boxes that were then just shoved into the uh, into the shelf mm-hmm. like i literally think that they're they were meant to go to an office building somewhere and the store somehow worked out a deal with some distributor to reroute it there that's like literally what looked like it happened well so marketplace has been doing a good job covering this but that's kind of been the whole thing where people are worried about kind of the shortages and and why stuff is like why america has barren shelves but it's really just a supply chain story where we just have all this meat and product that's not going into the food service and restaurant pipeline so now that they're having to like spend two weeks repackaging and kind of making that palatable for the consumer market and yeah, apparently that's happening to some paper products as well. But I, I guess I, I kind of like maybe maybe this marketplace stuff has got into it a little bit more. So maybe you know, but I would I would think that this would kind of correct itself here at some point. Like the the hand sanitizer thing, I understand there's other complications with. So like I, it makes sense to me why that's out of stock and will continue to be out of stock for a while. But like paper products seem like we we should be figuring that out soon, right? So they actually did cover that <laughs> um it's, it's, it's a good show uh and their point or part of the explanation for it would be that like the uh, the toilet paper some of the paper products that are um sent to like hospitals and hotels and businesses like the rolls are generally much larger and um would not fit like cons- they're not easily mm. re-wrappable into consumer packaging so it's it's not it's literally it's not just literally sending them somewhere else it's the the product themselves themselves are different exactly and the whole point of um that it's not that like toilet paper is uh, is a product that moves very very quickly so even though the shelves in a normal situation always look really stocked that along with like milk and other consumer staples or things that actually fly off the shelves it's just invisible to the to the um spoiled american consumer got it yeah uh so going back no maybe maybe we do have stuff to talk about this week um uh did we did we talk about how we were uniquely qualified to help out um uh the nation state of california that was a offline online conversation yeah so since our president thinks that he has what what did he say absolute authority can um, can you even imagine 
if Obama had said that. I mean, can can you even? Like, I mean, Fox News would have gone on twenty four seven breaking news coverage for a week. There would have been an emergency session of Congress to initiate in, impeachment. Proceed. I mean, it just it I think, would have I think, been. I think people will be asking for his birth certificate. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, maybe. So yeah, so oh. President Donald Trump on Tuesday retreated from a dubious claim of having absolute authority to reopen the company or the company. A, a, a the dubious country. claim. What 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 are you what are you reading from? Of uh, the second Google result, which is CNN. Actually, can I can I um fucking auto du- videos? Dubi- dubious claim. Come on, call it for what it is. No, no, oh. Well, so can can I can I actually re- rebut that thing? So I haven't. So. Like four layers of this onion. One, I'm going to... Which, which, which layer are we on? <laughs> uh, it depends on the which way you dice it. I don't know. Oh. I'm gonna, Actually, I'm, I will do, we'll do one call out real quick, which is... Um, uh, I, you, I thought you were off the Twitter. Uh, you know, yeah, I've, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been checking in, but I, I'm, mostly, <laughs> I'm mostly off of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's my... I, I should pull up my screen time here. Hold on. But, uh, so yeah, so I try... I don't watch any of these stupid... Um, press briefings but eventually somebody like darth or somebody will retweet like a 45 second clip of something and cnn's been doing this thing where they'll like do fact checking in the the lower third on screen which i don't mind and i I like this is gonna seem like the dumbest thing to complain about but they they've been coming like increasingly hostile and unprofessional and i don't know if i love that do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. So, like, I'm going to send you... So, where is... Uh, so, yeah, so in the video that's going to autoplay on the CNN article, uh, the lower third says, Angry Trump uses propaganda video produced by government employees at taxpayer expense. Like, while none of that's wrong, and it is more truthful than what's being said, it feels vaguely too opinionated I, I i don't know but maybe that's the whole double standard where the left has to like be holier than thou and like and this is this is that's not even close to the the garbage that passes muster of fox news so i, I have no idea what i'm saying here but you know. so some real-time follow-up here i've i've only opened tweetbot on my phone i want minutes of usage not not open to Two times. How do I read this graph? Two times in the last like seven days, I guess, and it for a total of twenty-seven minutes. So, hmm. get off my ass! Wow, <laughs> wow. Uh, you know what? You you getting stir crazy at home, and I'm I'll I'll give <laughs> you I'll give you some uh, some leeway there, but um so. Yeah, so the nation state of California, which is what uh, Gavin Newsom keeps uh, mentioning in in um, press briefings, and it's not a new thing. He's been saying that for Whoa. like the past eighteen months because that, it, and that it is autoplay video, <laughs> and it is kind of interesting that he does say that just because people kind of I, I maybe minimize. There's the whole anti West Coast media media bias thing that we've talked about, but I guess a lot of people don't appreciate the gravity of how large the California economy is. Where it's larger than many other countries, but yeah. So 
even though our president does not have absolute authority to reopen the economy. Gavin Newsom had an interesting analogy saying that, um, uh, from an NPR article, Newsom said that changes won't happen all at once. Quote, there's no light switch here. It's more like a dimmer, he told reporters. That dimmer is this toggling back and forth between more restrictive and less restrictive measures. I don't know. I think we know a lot about dimmer switches, so I think we can be very, very helpful to our state in, in kind of an interesting time of need. I, particularly if it's a Phillips Hue compatible dimmer switch, I'm I'm on the case. Mm-hmm. Good show. Yeah. All right. Do we? So do we have any other non? t-word stuff or should we do some t-word stuff i kind of i kind of want to do some t-word stuff because it's a kind of a, a welcome reprieve from all the the covid stuff and it you know it's a small small taste of normalcy and there i think there actually is some good stuff this week yeah yeah let's let's skip over item one of follow-up because just who cares you 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 canceled your order for stadia right yeah i mean this is why i put it in follow-up because it it sort of continues the uh, the chronicles of Google Stadia and how I went from thinking this was like the future of video <laughs> games to um, can I just say like man like I I've been I've been pretty wrong with the the gaming stuff like first with VR thinking that that was going to be the big thing that pretty much fizzled out I mean it, it's out there it's it's a niche thing it's an enthusiast thing. Um, Google Stadia has been a total mess and in game streaming, I, I think still has a future, but has certainly not gotten off to a good start. And meanwhile, you know, consoles are as popular as they've ever been. And we've got, you know, a new Xbox and a new PlayStation coming out this year. So yeah, didn't, haven't really called much of that. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, Google Stadia now free for two months. Um, if you have a, a Gmail account, which I, I understand <laughs> is, is, you know, I think it's literally ex- everybody. It's an exclusive club. Yeah. Uh, not not to delay the show again, but do you remember when uh, people were trading stuff online to get Gmail invites? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. God, what, what year was that? Like 2005. I remember, and this is probably very ill-advised to give people your home address, but there was a website where you could do like postcard swaps. And I totally did that a whole bunch to uh, with strangers all over the world, uh, trading Gmail invites. Because you got a hundred, was it a hundred megs or a gigabyte when it first came out? I forget what it started out. But it was with. a lot because I remember this was back when like Hotmail and Yahoo Mail gave you ten megabytes. Wow, I'm old. Okay. Um, and it kind of feels like Stadia is like it feels like Google's already pretty much checked out of it. Like they kind of are considering it to be like one of their like ten thousand messaging apps, and they're just over it. Because I haven't heard I like I know the news has been dominated by other stuff, but I haven't heard a peep about Stadia and since like when it launched and it didn't have half the games it said it would. Yeah, I mean, there just there hasn't been any real positive developments, and you know, I I I bet that there would have been at least part of google io that would have been dedicated uh to it but that's not happening this year so there's not going to be kind of a big platform for google to talk about it um yeah kind of a, a murky a murky murky future for google stadia i'd say yeah hey, but you know what the thing is like even even for free i'm that's i'm not really clamoring to try it out yeah seems fair do you have like could you do you well 
Well, I mean, I have, I have Chrome on my Mac. I as, I assume you can access it that way. Well, no, no. I was going to ask, but uh, John Syracuse has explained this many times. I was going to ask, do you have a controller that works with a computer? But apparently um, most like modern day gaming controllers are just Bluetooth peripherals. Yeah, my... So the way it works... So I only have an Xbox and I have one, I have one Xbox controller. And the way those work is... After the first set of Xbox One controllers didn't have Bluetooth, they they had some proprietary wireless connection that only worked to the Xbox. But at some point, they switched over the controllers to have both that proprietary connection and just Bluetooth, so that you could connect it originally to Windows PCs, but now like to everything, including iOS devices. So I, I have one of those, but I've. I've never actually connected it to anything other than my Xbox. I've thought about trying it on my Apple TV, but yeah, just have never have never gotten around to that. Can I ask a stupid question? Mm-hmm. Doesn't Bluetooth have too much latency to be good for gaming? Like, isn't that why I always like Bluetooth mice connections are kind of worse than using that little RF thingy that Logitech gives you? I, I don't know. Might be one of those things where if you're you know, some hardcore gamer, like, I mean, like I know you are, um, mm-hmm. maybe it'd be I'm an solitary, issue. my crosswords. Oh, you I mean, don't, you're, your rock band. I mean, don't forget about, you that, know, that was like nine months in 2008 <laughs> <laughs> and I was a jackass who bought a Wii and I tried to play rock band at 480. Oh, did, did you, you had the, the Wii version? Where you put the Wii mode inside the guitar? I thought you bought an Xbox for it. I was a very ill-advised college kid. Because um, I, I had the... The way that I had um, Rock Band was I had... or and, and Guitar Hero? I guess probably both this way. I, I had it on the Wii where you literally had a plastic guitar that had a Wiimote-shaped cutout in it that you would then stick the remote, Wiimote inside of. It was stupid. Yep, it was that one. <laughs> um, wow, is that a weird flash in the past? Okay. Um, yeah, so Stadia, whatever. Um, like, again, it really feels like Google's going to kill that soon. Like, they just, they're not even pretending to have any, like, energy behind it. Or what's well, the wood behind the arrow? Like, so I don't know. Uh, Peacock is launching on, from what I read, it it's only going to start on comcast x1 boxes so you can't actually use it on anything else oh really that, that was i gave it a really hmm. quick cursory read oh Rolling, okay yeah, so I, don't, I, I don't think you could use it on like apple tv yet yeah i i saw i read a couple of articles about that today and maybe just didn't read them carefully enough but yeah this verge article which will be in the notes very explicitly says that um peacock will be available for comcast's xfinity x1 and flex customers across the country beginning tomorrow um yeah what hmm. else i mean i not that i was really clamoring for it but yeah a uh, quick pivot to something that's not actually in follow-up but it's tangentially related what are your thoughts on the um because we didn't talk about disney plus's uh 50 million user milestone last week did we uh we did not no what What are your thoughts it's the one bright spot in what is otherwise an exceedingly dim future for disney yeah i'm not sure it's that much of a bright spot either because like these are 
we've talked about the fact that it's way underpriced intentionally to the point right. where it's not priced at the actual like it it's it's it has to be below the actual cost of providing the service because you're the accounting guy like you have to account for the value of what the content is worth of like who the, what they would sell to somebody else at right like even though the content's already produced but i don't i don't know how that works with a bunch of content that's just in the can that you're um that you have stashed away in the vault if you will yeah but they're also doing like disney plus originals and things like that so like there's no way it's going to stay at seven dollars a month and also they have um with certain telecommunications companies they have a thing where it's basically just free for a full year to um a company with 120 million customers so I like I I don't find the fifty million number to be necessarily that impressive, but the, uh, one of the things I did not, and this is follow out from Upgrade, I did not remember that so much of Disney's business is tied up in things that are going to be very 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 compressed and negatively affected by this well, whole thing. Th- that's I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean I'm yeah, yeah. you know I'm I'm you know I'm a I'm a bit of a of a Disney fan. I'd sure. say. I think everybody um, is mostly. And I I had read this was a, a New York Times article about because you know Bob Iger has has stepped back into the role of CEO now, um, <laughs> um, and the New York Times talked about kind of that process, but then also kind of his reasoning for doing so, which sort of focused on the the future of the company. And I mean, you think about kind of their their two their two temples, right, which are the theme parks. And their media, which predominantly, you know, comes out through movie theaters. And, you know, I, I'm starting to like come around to the idea that I think over the next, I don't know, six to 10 months, things, there'll be little glimpses of things like starting to, to get back to normal people going back into office spaces slowly, things like that. I mean, things like theme parks. And movie theaters, like if you if you were to make like a a ranked stack order of kind of when we're gonna start doing certain activities again, <laughs> those would be real low on the list. And without people going to theme parks and without movies coming out in theaters, like what is Disney? Yeah, and that's I mean that it it. I, it's 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 kind of obvious when you sort of step back and look at it that way, but it, it hadn't really dawned on me either. Um, well, like if you think about it, like six months ago, their biggest concern was this ESPN hemorrhaging cash, but now that's nothing compared to this. Right. Yeah. I just, I mean, how do you, how do you reopen Disneyland? Like, what is that process? <laughs> like, I just it's i mean it's 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 six i mean this is this is like i don't this is a this is a hyper hyper specific thing i guess but um one of the like kind of recurring thoughts that just kind of like makes me sad sometimes is like Mm -hmm. just thinking that like disneyland is just sitting there empty which is just i don't know for some reason that just really makes me sad and it's like Cause it's, it's, cause it's weird. Like they had been closed. They've been open since 1955, I think. And like, it had been closed, I think for a total of four days prior to this. Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy. 
there's a lot. I mean, just to be clear, there's a lot more things that I'm I'm more upset about, but that's just one of those recurring recurring thoughts that just I don't know. It just just bums me out. Yeah. I think that's very fair. The only the only counterpoint I would have is that what we brought up a couple of weeks ago where somehow Disney scored an exemption from when California said you couldn't have things more than like two hundred people. But then that lasted like eighteen hours. So the so the way that the the park was shut down, I think, was handled really, really poorly. Like there's a bunch of videos for from the last night they were open and how basically like everybody gathered at the main entrance as as guests were leaving. Like that that all was especially in retrospect, not a not a good look. Um I would say though, in the defense of, of California the one other major consideration with Disneyland is is the infrastructure around it, mainly people staying at the hotels. So you want to ensure that people have a smooth transition out of those spaces. Um, it could have been handled a little more uh, nuanced, I think, but I, 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 I am a little sympathetic to just shutting down um, something like that all of a sudden might be a little too jarring yeah yeah there, there there could have been like some type of provision to wind down stuff like closing the park and then saying like hotels have to oh i, I mean listen i think i think the the park probably the park probably should have just been because i think it was like looking back on it i think it was like like a like a wednesday night maybe or something where disney I mean, who can remember but it was like disney was going to be open basically for like disney was gonna be open for like two more days and it was like wait why just shut it down now like why 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 yeah why do we get two more days uh, yeah anyway mm -hmm. yeah okay uh so peacock and then going back to the layer mm, yeah people are talking on the phone yeah that's fine that was a good article so you can throw the new york times link in there but i'm not sure we need to talk about it uh do you it was kind of a big apple week or Big Apple Monday. It was. Well, so you, except it's Wednesday, but... No, no, but didn't all this stuff come out on Monday? Or has time, again, lost lost all meaning? Did all this stuff happen this morning? The iPhone SE and stuff was this morning, yeah. Jeez. Which... Are you okay? What happened? I, I promise you, I th genuinely thought it happened two days ago. Well, the funny thing about it is that you're the one who sent me the... I was totally like kind of disconnected this morning and then yeah but that was 8 56 this morning that was 12 hours ago that was <laughs> yeah. that's three years ago um oh, so, so you're in a better mental state to tee this up so can you tell me what happens uh, that's that's debatable <laughs> um so the kind of long rumored iphone 9 slash iphone 8s slash iphone se came out a successor to the iPhone SE. Um, it's it's kind of exactly what you'd um, what you'd expect this product to be. It's a lower priced iPhone that basically has all of the same internal specs as the current lineup of iPhones, but in the kind of iPhone eight equivalent um, size, which you know it's. It's a product that's by no means like going to be Apple's most popular iPhone, but I think it serves in kind of an important um, function. And I think, you know, for what it is, it, it seems like it's, it's a good value when you compare it to other 
smartphones kind of of that price range. Um, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the iPhone for you or me, but again, I think it's, it's the iPhone, you know, potentially for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. But the, this actually goes to a larger conversation. So actually let's no, let's okay. Let's give a little bit of time. I think the iPhone SE serves like a really important price point and this is maybe a larger conversation we can circle back to in a minute, but does the cost of the the rapidly increasing cost of Apple products over the past three years um, scale back? Like I, I feel uh, because of what's going on right now, like I feel like the iPhone SE and having a compelling product at a reasonable price point is dramatically more important now than it was three months ago. Like, I, I feel like we're in an era where, like, I mean, we, uh, like, I I think between the two of us, like, you have been much more understanding and willing to sell the value of iPhone being worth it at almost any cost because it's your most used device. Fair characterization? That's the, that's the front the Ryan doctrine. doctrine. Or, or the, the Ryan, the, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've pushed back on that a lot of, of the iPhone being kind of stupidly expensive. And when people were uh, the, when there were rumors of the iPhone 10 and Gruber was saying, Oh yeah, it might, it might start at $1,500 and people were being like, Oh yeah, it's worth it. Like I, I, I push back on that a lot. Like I, I just feel like when we're probably at least for a couple of quarters going to have unemployment, that's like at 15 to 20%. I feel like iPhones that started a thousand dollars are, um, gonna be a lot less palatable like i know maybe the bay area is slightly insulated from that but i f- feel like the se um and to a lesser extent the iphone 10r that still hangs around for 599 is going to be a much more important product than it was a while ago yeah i, I don't disagree with any of that um i th- that's sort of the um i mean not not to digress back into the coronavirus depression stuff but i think that's no, it's fine that's that's one of the other things that I maybe even I was a little slow to see, but I'm, I'm now like coming around on, which is just like, I mean, we're entering a period which is going to be significantly worse economically than the Great Depression, which is kind of like, you sure about that? Well, no, I mean, no, I'm not sure about that, but I mean, there seems to be some indications that could be the case. I, I think. Again, and I've I've been very wrong about this for almost, for for compared to you for for a while, but I feel like it's going to be kind of severe and bad for a few like. But the the problem with and this is another thing marketplace has been comparing like it, the 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 reason why the Great Depression was so bad is that the government didn't act and the central bank had little influence or will to care to try to combat the problem. And the reason the Great Depression was so bad was because unemployment. Um, and rapid price increases lasted for multiple years. So what, what what is it that the federal government or the Federal Reserve's done this time around that makes you feel better? Even though it's not an effective tool, dramatically reduce or basically cutting interest rates almost to zero, pumping tons of money to ensure that there are no bank failures, and the government that even though we can't agree on anything is actually pumping in money to make sure that businesses for the most part do not fail. And also because this is not like the pro- the problem with the great depression was that it was a fundamental failure of the economic system and speculation. Whereas right now this is basically a natural disaster. 
Like, I just feel like they're different things in the way that this turns into a depression versus just a severe recession or a, like, um, like, so it's the whole debate that people are having of, is this going to be, what is it? A V shaped recovery versus what's the other one? U shaped L shaped. I don't, I don't think I've heard that phrase. I don't know. Yeah. It's basically, it's, it's whether or not, yeah. So it's a V shaped recovery versus a U shaped recovery where V is basically, you have a, you can, uh, uh, Wikipedia just do res- uh, recession shapes uh, basically, do we have a very severe, quick downturn that recovers in almost the exact same way in a couple of quarters because we've isolated the variables that caused this to happen? Or is it a U-shaped one where it takes much, much longer um, and there's a, a prolonged period of um, uh, badness that, that, that sticks around? I'm not an economist. I know very little about this. But I don't know. I, like, I, th- I think that's where... Um, I think for this year is going to be very interesting to watch, especially in the consumer electronics space, to bring it back to the T-word stuff. Because one, you have a lot of engineering time that's been lost because of work from home and also other supply chain disruptions, and also the consumer's propensity to spend, especially on luxury goods and very, very, very expensive high-margin consumer electronic products that Apple makes, is probably going to be a lot lower on the list. Like, I feel like people are going to gravitate towards a cheap iPhone or a mediocre Android phone compared to an iPhone 11 Pro. I'm kind of like combining some things we're talking about here with um, some ideas that were brought up on Upgrade, not not this week, but I think the previous week. Um, so the idea there was how in terms of like product releases, you know, this year's set of iPhones, as an example, were the design was already locked in. Um, they're basically just at the production phase, which will have some challenges, certainly. But it it seems like all indications are that like this year's iPhone's gonna come out maybe a few weeks later than normal, but is basically on track. Um, it's in, in the engineering lost time that you're referring to, which I'm is what about I, software. Well, but I think I think hardware applies too. Well, no, um, like I I take your point that it's basically locked in, but I think the software that makes most of that work like i think a ton of resources are being redistributed from ios 14 on top of the lost time regardless to go into this whole covid19 tracing thing which i'm not sure if we can talk about or not well that right but i guess like what i'm saying is that i think where you're really going to see the impact of that which is what upgrade was getting into was like next year because you know like this would be the time where designs and plans are being finalized for something like next year's iphone and that's where energy is being spent elsewhere right now so i guess what 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 i'm all trying to get to here is that like apple and other t-word companies i think are in a bad spot in the sense that consumers aren't going to have much of an appetite to be buying you know 1200 hundred dollar iphones this year and you know come next year when hopefully things economically are starting to improve there's going to be this kind of window where there's there you know people are going to be basically trying to like catch up on all the development that they've missed from the past year and there's just not really going to be much out there to buy i would say that's right but i think apple is actually kind of fortunate in this regard that this year's phone is supposed to be kind of the banger like where it's supposed to be true not like a tiktok year where this is but like the one that had the full development cycle behind it is going to allegedly maybe be the first 5g iphone and it's going to be the one where we're not recycling the iphone 10 as 
design for the third or fourth year. So the iterative design phone, the talk year that would have been 2021, is going to be the one that maybe doesn't get enough time in the oven, which is not the end of the world. But no, that, that absolutely makes sense. My more immediate concern is kind of the iOS 14 might not necessarily have all the resources that it needs. And also just it's it's super uncertain of how quickly consumer spending is going to ramp back up. Like, will there be pent up consumer demand that from stuff that didn't happen over this month and a half? Or are people just going to be too, afra- too afraid about their job prospects and other things to make big expenditures? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knew this was going to be an econ podcast? <laughs> Um, so the iPhone, so S- iPhone SE, mm-hmm. <laughs> so three ninety nine, and it's basically an iPhone eight that's got the insides of an iPhone eleven, except it doesn't have a U one chip and single camera. Such a the the ultra band thing. Um, very, it's a very strange story where it really does seem like Apple had this whole AirTag thing that they were gonna put out there and. The U1 was going to, you know, power that and potentially power things like um, this, like, car key standard that I guess Apple's been working on. And, you know, it, it was included in last year's iPhones, but now no products that Apple's released this year. Um, Just, yeah, very... Very like air like air tags being delayed in and of themselves, like especially in the situation we're in now, where I maybe mean, nobody's leaving their house. So like, <laughs> would you lose something like that? That I, I that makes total sense to me. But you know, if if the U one is like a key part of powering air tags, you know, you want to be putting those in devices now, so that when air tags do eventually come out, you've got devices that that have the chip to best support them so i i don't know what it means for the u1 not to be in the se or like in the um the ipads that just came out yeah the the ipad thing has been weird of just why there's been this like uh off and on is it in there not because one like all the points of it is it an important like is is the ipad a device that you would use to locate things with apple tags like it's their flagship device and it and it costs like it starts at like 7.99 for the for the the lowest end one like it it should be in there but yeah the air tags thing of it's just weird that those haven't shipped yet or why they like i don't really buy the thing of hey nobody's traveling to airports therefore they're going to kick they're not going to release it for like another 12 months like that doesn't ring true to me but yeah, it is weird where they're not just basically eating the whatever $3 this extra radio costs them and just shoving it into every product to have the largest possible addressable consumer market once they actually do release Apple tags or whatever the heck it's called. I mean, the only thing I can maybe think of is that they they ended up realizing sometime shortly after they um, had released the set of iPhones last year that had the U1 that they could find a way to make a product like AirTags and whatever else they were intending on using the U1 chip for. Like they could basically have the same user experience with whatever those products and services would be without the U1 chip. And so they basically just kind of like pivoted away from it. But it's weird that it, you know, it they didn't spend a lot of time talking about it with, with the last set of iPhones, but I mean, they gave it a name, right? The U1 and... And I just felt like one of those things that was going to become like just, you know, a product feature of every new Apple product going forward. And 
it's been the opposite. Very strange. Yeah, maybe they're waiting to release the air tags until the new small HomePod is out. <laughs> um, so what? So what other uh, Apple stuff? So we have. Well, that's, so yeah, Mac- that's that, I would say that's the the thing with the U one is weird is that I think like Apple's year like basically since last year's iPhones and the sixteen inch MacBook Pro, like everything Apple's done since that point has been like very logical and like exactly what we expected Apple to do. Um, but they had the you want the you want things kind of the one the one exception. But yeah, the, I mean the rest of the stuff that Apple did today is like yeah, kind of expecting exactly what we would expect. So like three weeks ago, they released a, a slight revision to the iPad Pro um, that does not have a U1 chipset in it. But one of the things that most people were most excited about was that there was going to be a new fancy keyboard called the Magic Keyboard for it that made the iPad much more like a and this is just trolling at this point, a traditional work device. So it makes it very similar to a traditional laptop. But the odd part of that iPad refresh was that the Magic Keyboard wasn't going to come out until May. So we now have a ship date, and I think they finally released how much it weighs because they were being cagey about that before. Oh, did they? I was I was curious about that. Or if it ships in a week, they have to have said how much it weighs. Yeah, Because I know true. Stephen Hackett found a thing on Amazon's website. I was trying to back out the weights and just... Um, and list James Thompson to do some some um, logarithmic stuff to figure out much, figure out how it was going to go. But yeah, what I forgot was, holy shit, it's three hundred dollars. Oh wow, yeah, it is <laughs> for the for the eleven inch. And to keep in mind, the entry level thirty two gig iPad regular is three hundred twenty nine dollars. Uh, that's madness. I mean, it's cool. Like, and and I don't doubt that it's high quality. But three hundred dollars for what is essentially a keyboard stand. Yikes. I, I, like so I I'm, want I'm it. looking yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm looking on the product page. Under tech specs, does it not say how much it weighs still? There's there is no tech spec section. Keyboards. Keyboard that have you covered. Okay, that's pretty clever. I like it. Um so you go to the, buy the product now. information section is just an overview, highlights, and compatibility. Um, Apple, what are you doing? Yeah. I think what people had backed out of it was that this was gonna for the eleven inch was gonna weigh about three quarters of a pound, which seems fair. I mean, for it to for the weight just to work with how um, the iPad mounts, like it kind of has to be kind of bottom heavy, right? But yeah, three hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks really really neat, really well designed, but it's super expensive. I'm I'm fascinated to read the first set of reviews because. I think I think expectations are really high for this product, and it, I I think it's going to either be awesome or it's going to be a enormous disappointment, and there's not going to be much room in between. I think it'll probably be pretty good, but um, I'm really curious to see like what the Federico Vatici's and Jason Snell's of the world think about this thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it is going to be awesome. Just the bummer part is that if you like, if you wanted to buy the like, if you wanted to get yourself the standard iPad Pro that most people should get, which is the 11 inch, 256 with cellular. That's that's what I have. And you want this keyboard? That's thirteen hundred and fifty dollars pre tax. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm just going to stick with my iPad Pro 9.7 for until it breaks. Like that's I mean a, for. That, for thirteen hundred dollars, a to to buy the iPad setup you described, 
as opposed to like a solid um, MacBook Air, like the one that they just released. Mm-hmm. That's that's that seems tough. I mean, the only, like the only advantage really would be you'd have built-in cellular with the iPad, but outside of that, that's tough. Yep. All right. Was there any other? Oh, so actually, uh, two two throwaway. Do you have any other Apple stuff? Um, I feel like there. I mean, there's there's been some speculation about like this year's um iPhone, which I guess the the consensus now is going to have an iPad like design, kind of like the new iPad pros, the new, uh, smaller home pod that you mentioned. Um, I guess that that was all the stuff that actually came out today though. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two quick, uh, throwaway things. Um, so one Apple related one, not so Apple is making on top of the generous one year gift of Apple TV plus that Apple, that Tim gave everybody, uh, apparently, they are also doing a thing where um, you which shows were them on this nine to five Mac article, but Apple is copying. They're doing what HBO uh, just did, where they're giving um, a select number of their TV shows, which includes uh, Little America, Servant for All Mankind, Dickinson, Snoopy in Space, and some other things, uh, free for how how long? I don't see an end date on this. Oh, just for a limited time. But yeah, so HBO did this about two weeks ago with The Sopranos, Succession, and a few other things, and Apple is getting in on it as well. I kind of feel like anybody who wants to watch these probably want, I mean, maybe not everybody buys new Apple stuff every single year, but yeah, they're also getting into the game on giving free content and trying to, and not in a shrewd way, capitalize on the people that are stuck at home looking for additional things to watch. So, I mean... It's neat. Like, there's no, there's no downside here. But I do find, find it, find it interesting that they offered this, and also what they chose to give away and what they held back. Like, I don't know what it says that the morning show wasn't part of this. Like, do they feel like that's their draw for somebody who wanted to pay for it, or they just didn't want to give everything away and they just flipped a coin on whether for all mankind or the morning show would be included? I don't know. My guess would be, yeah, that it's keeping the morning show behind the paywall maybe is kind of their, you know, carrot to like bring people into the paid version of the service. Um, Or I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some weird contractual thing. Cause that's the thing, right? Is like Apple, Apple is, is still not actually creating these shows in house. They're going out and and basically just purchasing them. And I want, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought Netflix's whole thing was they wanted to own everything they make. Well, that's so like Apple Apple has that uh studio now that that they're going to at some point start making shows out of and the, so those will be shows that they wholly own. Um but this whole initial batch of shows and I I mean I, I mean that studio that's going to be creating content I, I don't I don't even think it has any like specific shows on a roadmap anywhere it's just something that they're working on but now everything that's on apple tv plus has been produced by you know other studios and apple's purchased them and i you know i think they've purchased them in a way that gives them probably some pretty agreeable terms and like what they're allowed to do with that content but i could especially see with a show like the morning show with you know when you've got jennifer aniston and reese witherspoon as executive producers i could see where maybe that negotiation was 
a little tougher and maybe Apple doesn't quite have the leeway with that content that they, they do with some of the other stuff. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm at a little over my skis kind of pulling a, a Jason Snell, um, who knows like way, way, way more about this stuff than I do. I'm, I'm kind of trying to pretend like I'm him there for a minute, but is it Jason Snell, like a Tommy John in baseball? He, his, I mean, his knowledge of TV is just like every time he, he, like he knows every name he knows who's worked at every state. Just it's, I mean, he, he prepares for upgrade probably in a way that like we don't prepare for this show, but, um, well, and, and he's friends with Tim Goodman. That, I mean, yeah, that helps too. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's, it's his knowledge of TV is, is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and also like, I mean, Disney, and even like mega corporations like Disney run afoul of this where they, they don't necessarily, do you remember when, uh, Disney plus launched and they entered after like a month had to start pulling content off of it? Cause they didn't actually necessarily have the licenses. Oh yeah. To... I, I think, I think like a lot of the, the Marvel stuff still isn't on Disney plus because it's, it's tied up in other, um, contractual agreements that'll, you know, slowly resolve themselves over time. But, oh yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah, even even when you produce something in house, if you then go out and distribute it elsewhere, you're going to expose yourself to then maybe not having the same level of control over that content anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, the most important Apple thing. I think that's probably be our last one. Um. Seven hundred dollar wheels. Oh, how did we how did we bury the lead here? I mean, I guess because people still haven't received their um, coronavirus coronavirus stimulus checks because uh, they didn't have the proper autograph on them. I think seven hundred dollars. What's seven hundred times one point oh nine two five? So seven hundred sixty five dollars uh, post tax. I mean, if you were gonna spend your twelve hundred dollars stimulus check on rent or wheels. It's a pretty sick wheels, man. I mean the 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 take that's been out there today about these being the same price as a set of tires for your car. I mean, is <laughs> um, it man it, that is when you when you think of it in those terms that that's that's rough. That's really really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, ba- so basically what they did today was when the Mac Pro first came out. The the way that the language was written, it, they kind of made it sound like you could choose feet or you could choose wheels and that you were stuck with that choice. But then people like started finding um, support docs that referenced the feet and the wheels being removable. Um, but then Apple never really came out and like, clarified. Um, but then basically what they've come out with today is a, a foot kit which I think is like $300. So if you had originally bought your Mac Pro with wheels, you can swap those out for feet. Um, and then they've also come out with a wheel kit. So if you originally bought your Mac Pro with feet, you can put wheels on it. Uh, and yeah, the, the wheel the wheel kit is $700, which is just, I mean, every, everything with the Mac Pro is just is bananas. I'm going to say everything about Apple is bananas. <laughs> I am very so if you go to apple.com right now the iPhone SE is on the homepage lots to love less to spend mm. that that rings hollow from the company or maybe it's perfectly on brand for the company that 
like was pretending the iPhone 11 Pro only costs like $600 because they pretended that you're trading in an iPhone 10 with every purchase. Yeah, weird, weird days. But anyway. All right. Got anything else or chef specials? I think, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. What you got? So I've got a, a photo related pick Ooh. that, um, I don't know if this is like going to make you angry or not. I don't know what your reaction is going to be. So you, so you've, you've, you've given me a lot of friendly photo advice and I, I thank you for that. And I've, I've taken most of your advice. Um, however, one, one part of your workflow that I, I tried and have, have did not like was, so, you know, one of the things with you having a fancy camera is what's then kind of the way to, to have those photos on your, on your iPhone. And your recommendation had been uploading your images to, well, I guess you've kind of waffled between like Amazon photos and like Microsoft OneDrive you were like using at one point. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm curious about what this is. Um, so you had, you had suggested something like that. Yeah. And so I, I tried Amazon photos. It's not a, not a great experience. I wasn't super happy with like the app and kind of the, um, the way that it tried to organize the photos for you. I just, it wasn't, wasn't a big fan of that. Anyway, it is, it was kind of fiddly to remember to put your JPEGs into a folder that then the Amazon photos app, you know, pointed to and, and synced and everything. Um, so I've taken a different approach and I, I take the, the JPEGs from the second SD card from, from the fancy camera. And I just, I import all those right into the photos app in iOS. Mm -hmm. And then the, the workflow from there is to basically just, basically just delete the ones that are duplicates or that I don't really feel like I, I need on my phone. So I'm, you know, cause I think like one of your concerns with, with, keeping everything in the photos app um in addition to you know mingling your fancy camera photos with your iphone photos which to me doesn't doesn't bother me at all um but i i get why you might not want that but in addition to that you were also kind of worried about uh, space um and i think one of the ways you can get around that is by just you know you don't necessarily keep all of your photos um on your phone you just kind of keep the the handful that that came out nice um and it, you know, there's there's a lot of really smart ways that that experience works in the sense that like if I take an SD card with all my JPEGs and like let's say that I just like I just want to quickly grab a couple to to put on my phone, but then maybe I don't want to bother importing the rest at that time. I can come back at any time with that same SD card and plug it back into my iPhone, and the the iPhone will remember which photos you've already imported and which you haven't. And that works across devices too. So I can take that same SD card, mm. plug it into my iPad, and it'll know, oh, hey, you've already imported these photos over on your iPhone. Even works on the Mac too. You open photos on the Mac, it knows if you've imported something into iOS. Um, and you can actually even get around the whole mixing of fancy camera photos with your iPhone photos because you can create smart albums in photos to filter photos based on camera model. Um, unfortunately, that's not supported in iOS. It's only supported on photos on the Mac. Um, but anyway, I've actually, I've gotten into a really nice workflow where, you know, the raw images and, and copies of all of my images um, 
are still in Lightroom and on the Synology. But then kind of the way that I've been handling JPEGs um, is is just through the Photos app. And you know, I'm 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 embedded in the in the the Apple ecosystem. I'm you know I'm using a Mac. I've got an iPhone. I've got an iPad. So having my photos there makes a lot of sense. And I actually find the Photos app interface, both on iOS and on the Mac, to be really, really good. Um, and then again, the the importing experience is also really nice. So, you know, I've I've been I've been happy happy with that that part of my camera workflow. Cool. Yeah. No, that that's super, that's super valid. Um, yeah, pretty neat. So with this, uh, are you? I forgot how I told you to do it. Did you, are you writing one card for raw, one card for JPEGs? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So that's the only part where that falls down is if you don't do that, iOS is really, really slow to handle dealing with raw files. But no, if you're doing the JPEG thing, yeah, that that cool. Yeah, and you know, I obviously too. Then if I if I go in and edit those photos, like in Lightroom, I'm obviously then not those those changes aren't then going to sync over to iOS easily unless I basically like export the image and like overwrite the original in ios but yeah but if you had to you can just do a quick tweak inside the photo like this is whatever well and i'm you know i'm i'm not to the um i'm not to the point where i'm i'm doing a lot of um um editing in lightroom so you know maybe at some point it'll become uh more more of an issue but um whatever whatever gets you in the habit of using your camera it, it, exactly whatever removes as much friction as possible because yeah well that and that was that was the thing is i felt like the whole amazon photos thing or some other type of third-party solution just it felt fiddly to the point where it was something i didn't want to do whereas sure. like i mean the the lightning sd card adapter and the USB-C lightning card adapter that you recommended like ugh, the killer those are killer accessories you got to have that and there's, it's just, it's so easy to pop that uh, JPEG SD card out, pop it into one of those adapters and then plug it either into my phone or my iPad or my Mac. Like that's, it just, there's just, there's no friction there. Yep. Cool. All right. I got one that I've been sitting on for a little bit. Have you heard of a Koi fin before? Uh, no, I don't think I have. So this is, it's, it's a startup, a finance startup that, so I sent you two links. So basically, it's kind of like Google Finance meets like Thinkorswim. Like it, it, it's basically a news and, and financial data website that's like a much more advanced version of Google Finance, but it's currently ad-free and very clean and very, very easy to use, which has like better charting and data tools that are much more closely aligned to like what a Bloomberg terminal gives you than you would get in like a stock trading app. So I found that for when I am looking for either just like a view of how bad the stock market and stuff is doing and treasury bonds and stuff like that, this is a much cleaner and easier to look at view. So I sent you two links, whatever the one like the home view is, I think, which is the second link or the first link I sent you. Like it shows you where all the stock markets, uh, stock markets around the world are doing, treasuries, global yields, all that kind of stuff. And then if you want to look at like a just a single stock chart, it gives you a bunch of uh, um, comparable data. It's easy to compare interday and three-month, one-year performance and stuff like that. And also to compare a company compared to its peers. So I don't know. It's, it's a very... 
Because I don't Google Finance, like, yeah, I don't like Yahoo Finance, and Google Finance got redesigned like a year ago for the worse. And I haven't really found a good place to look at this kind of stuff. And I found that for the meantime, until this company figures out that they need to make money, um, it is a pretty good tool for what it is. Yeah, very. It's it definitely it makes a good um, first impression. Mm-hmm. 